In the future, the earth has been contaminated, forcing people to live a new existence. Everyone so, every so often, they are the winners of a lottery and sent to the island, the last non-contaminated place on earth. If it's even real, though. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Bouget. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today we'll be talking about 2005's Michael Bay directed The Island. Um, a film in his in his particular filmography that has kind of just came and went without much fanfare, especially in regards to I would say everything like pre-Transformers and to an extent the first couple of Transformers films. Um, yeah, uh, it was a kind of in Michael Bay terms, in that perspective, box office bomb for him. Uh, so I know if you look at it, you're like, that's not that bad. But for him, and you see what he usually makes, it was a kind of a bomb. Uh, received mixed reviews upon release, which actually isn't even that surprising with him. Um, I yeah, I don't really even hear the biggest Bay defenders talk about this film. Like it's it's a forgotten Bay film, which is so weird. Um, but with that, before we kind of get into it, uh, why why what are the scores there, bud? The island. Uh, you know, as you know, if you've been following this show for the past thirteen episodes, you know that our selection process. Uh, is mostly reliant on Rotten Tomatoes just because it's a fairly reliable source of, you know, movie reviews and judging a good or bad film. So we use that and then kind of build off of it. The Island sitting at a 39% Rotten Tomatoes score, but a 63% audience score. So it's not universally hated. Uh, Consensus reads, a clone of THX 1138, Coma, and Logan's Run the Island is another loud and bombastic Michael Bay movie where explosions and chases matter more than characters, dialogue, or plot. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, I've, I've shit on Michael Bay quite a lot. If not on the recordings, then in, in public. I just don't, I don't care for the man. But this, I thought this was a pretty good movie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's the occasional gem we stumble upon on this show. It does not happen often, but it happened for me, to me this time. I wasn't bored. I enjoyed it. Fire when ready. Well, I'll say I thought it was okay. Like it's not like I look like Michael Bay, and this would kind of lead into what the question I kind of had for you, which is kind of like talk, you know, overall thoughts on Michael Bay's filmography, him as a fucking director. So I'll kind of get into like I get I'll start and how I feel on that. You know, yeah, I think he, you know, it says a lot that he couldn't tell you why he direct why he directs films when the teleprompter broke. It says a lot about him. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like the guy knows for a while, I'd argue that he's gone not as good with it in more recent films. Um, but he knew how to make just like fun, over the top, just bombastic films that I mean, yes, I know some people argue there's some problematic elements in regards to his depiction of women and anyone that isn't white yeah. in some movies which yeah i'm not it's 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 noticeable 
at times. Um, but with that said, he knows how to make like fun, just explosion heavy uh, films. And there's a lot of his stuff, you know, especially early stuff. And like I said, I defend the first three Transformers films that I, I do enjoy personally. I have gone back to him on numerous occasions and watched. Um, as far as this one, like I said, I was kind of in the middle. I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Didn't dislike it like I have some of his more recent efforts, but I also didn't really hate it. Those so quite a bit that I remember thinking, okay, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that part. Um, there was a whole extended chase sequence in like LA that I thought was like actually kind of fun. I yeah, Michael Bay is a problematic filmmaker. He is very bad at depicting uh non-white cultures and always takes very weird jabs at women in his films. I don't really know where that comes from, but clearly somebody didn't date him in high school. Um, it's weird. It's evident here. And like lines said towards Scarlett Transformer, I'm like, that, why are we saying this? Jesus. Yeah, I've got a, I've got some of those coming when we do our, our awards. But yeah, it is weird. It's like the film goes out of its way to like really make make it known that like he McGregor might have a chance at reclaiming his life, but she's property. Which is really fucked. Uh, but in terms of his, you know, overall filmography, I've always thought he's kind of a kind of a goofy hack. But I mean, The Rock is a classic. <laughs> but is it a classic because of him? I don't I don't think so. I don't think he is the reason any of his films are good. <laughs> I think it's owed to everybody else. Because I think he kind of represents the douchiest aspects of Hollywood. Just the absolute arrogance and misogyny and just ridiculous shit all came to life and called itself Michael Bay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have one of our, you know, shitty awards named after him. He's, he's, a, he's a joke. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. His new one coming out, Ambulance, looks decent, but also he's saying that it's a shit movie, which is kind of funny. Yeah, he complained about the CGI in his own movie. I was like, you directed the movie? Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I have a... I might have told this at some point on one of our shows. I don't remember when, but this feels like a good time to bring it back up. Uh, my uncle worked as an extra on a couple films... Uh, for Robert Rodriguez. You can see him in the background of uh, Machete Kills and Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which is pretty cool. But by getting that work, he was able to get work on Transformers Age of Extinction, where he played a, uh, a, a extra in the background there. And I got to hear stories of the differences between how a director like Robert Rodriguez works and how a director like Michael Bay works. And Rodriguez took the time to not only learn my uncle's name, but remembered him when he came back for sin city and like told him, you know, like do this. Can you do that? That's great. He was a very friendly, personable director. Michael Bay just called my uncle gray haired guy. Didn't even bother learning his name, ordered him around like a dog and was just an absolute prick. So that tells me all I need to know about Michael Bay's character. And I'm good. I mean, I've already heard stories enough to know about Michael Bay's character to be like, this guy's a douchebag. Um, I know. I think he came to light recently. I guess because of his, you know, diagnosis, uh, Bruce Willis, uh, it was like confirmed would not work with him after Armageddon. Like absolutely despised him. 
<laughs> as a director and person was just like the this guy i think the way he wrote it was like he just yells at people he doesn't try to direct he just wants to yell to get what he wants done and he goes i i can't do that he's like i'm not ever working with this man again there's that that, that video i don't remember what what film it was on but it's him going like bay going am i very fucking clear like to somebody like yeah he's just he's his own worst enemy and mm-hmm. he creates a volatile set i get that vibe that like oh yeah it's just uncomfortable the whole time even someone that i've kind of claimed out recently with some comments and ben affleck on the commentary track from Armageddon, apparently he went up to michael bay and was like hey wouldn't it make more sense to train astronauts to be oilers instead of like how we're doing it and apparently michael bay looks and just went shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> like why are you mad because you're fucking he's right like Ben Affleck actually has like a solid point. Like, why do you have Oilers doing this? I am frankly amazed Michael Bay has not been me too'd and canceled yet. Dude, I know because there was the whole thing with the first Transformers when uh, Megan Fox, you know, it was kind of she was like putting out a lot of dirty laundry, um, other than calling him essentially comparing him to Hitler, which I actually and now I kind of laugh at that yeah. she was like, ballsy enough to say that on an interview, like. I guess, yeah, I guess you go, Megan Fox. Don't think you're fucking weird with the marriage to MGK, but whatever. Um, well, wasn't her audition tape like basically just washing his car? Yeah. Oh, well, that was, I rambled, but yeah, that's what I was, yeah. It was like literally washing his car. I don't know if it, I don't, stated clothes, don't know. I'm assuming it was probably something like a bikini or something, knowing Michael Bay. I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with like, you know, a performance in your movie, dude? Well, I mean, has he been getting decent box office success? Like did the last uh, the last night did that Transformers movie do well? It, it did. No, it did okay compared to the others. Okay. Um, but I think that was because people were getting legit tired of Michael Bay Transformers. It was like, okay, enough's enough. Well, um, and then Six Underground didn't do well on Netflix. And no. I can't imagine ambulance doing very well in you know today's climate where really only blockbusters are making money. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say, and I kind of talked about when I did my review for Six Underground. I think it's safe to say that like he won't have what he he won't have the big hits like he used to. I I, I think I really think his time's done. The fact that like the last Bad Boys film was not directed by him. Yeah, it was directed by two other people, and it was a big hit. And he just showed up in a cameo, and he looks fucking terrible trying to maintain that hairdo, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, knows, like, okay, you can't even, like, get your own third film off the ground because you and, you know, uh, Mr. Slapgate Will Smith um, cost too much money. My, my favorite thing Bay ever did is a brief cameo in the 1999 masterpiece Mystery Men directed by Bay's friend Kinka Usher, who did one movie and said, fuck this, and got the hell out of Hollywood. Um, he plays the head of a frat boy gang who asks uh, Jeffrey Rush's character if he can bring the brewskis down to the uh, laser room. And Jeffrey Rush is like, yeah, of course. And they all like, ah. So that's, that's always been Michael Bay to me, the dude who asked if he could bring the brewskis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I've never had any respect for him because he clearly does not have any respect for anyone else. No, he he, he thinks he's hot shit because his movies. I, I mean, unfortunately, again, I'm talking about that whole. I always talk about right audiences dictate what 
gets put out in theaters to a certain extent. He was making billion dollar box office films. I mean, Jesus Christ, like it was like it was a guarantee if his name was attached to it, it was gonna be a huge hit for a long, long time. Um, I'd argue Transformers uh kind of ruined that after the third film. And that's when you try to start seeing the downhill decline where people were kind of like, okay, I'm might be a little tired of this guy. Well, didn't the fourth one do really, really well though? Yes. So I think it probably after that, I think once he was churning out two and a half hour to three hour Transformers melodramas with, you know, Boston Texan, Cade Yeager, I'm never going to let that go away. uh, I think that's when people said, okay, no, we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes Um, he has like his moments where I'm like, oh, there's a director. Like uh, when he did Painting Game, I remember watching going, where's this Michael Bay? Why don't I get this Michael Bay? Or like thir- uh, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldier of Benghazi. I'm like, where the fuck is this Michael Bay? Like, this is actually pretty good uh, movies. It's gripping, blah, blah, blah. And yet, instead, I just get someone that thinks uh, racist character robots are funny. I've read stories about him. Like, I guess when he went to film school, his teachers thought he was like one of the most promising students they've ever taught. Like he exhibited an eye that was like very unique that they knew he was going to go places. And they all think that he's like, this is all a persona. Like the real Michael Bay is a genius playing an idiot. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's anything to back that up. I think that's just teachers like hoping that their star student didn't, you know, sell his soul to Hollywood. Right. But he did. Or he just kept showing them really good explosions. I guess. I mean, you know, that, that swooping thing he does in all of his movies, I, I guess that was the eye that they saw. Like, oh, nobody's his ever fucking, done that. His fucking hero shot. He does every movie where they have to stand and yep. the camera swoops. Yep. Every single movie, I've, I I look for it now. Like I, it's like a you know I play bingo. It's Michael Bay bingo. Like God, you know explosions, you know, racism, misogyny, swoop. <laughs> you know that's going to happen in ambulance. Like uh, it's going to happen to both our main characters. Going to have their moment. Yeah, I'm going to text you just swoop when I go see ambulance and it happens. Just so you know that I just witnessed a swoop. <laughs> when are you seeing it? Probably uh, probably Saturday. Oh, shit. Okay, so one of us will be texting each other first about Swoop something on Saturday. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Ah, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, Michael Bay. It, he, he's a director. He works in Hollywood. He has, believe it or not, made some of your favorite movies, especially, you know, in The Rock and Armageddon. You know, a lot. I, I personally do actually really like those films. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Rock does have the famously, you know, line winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> Which do they, Sean Connery? Do they? I don't think all of them do. Carla was the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite, if we're going Michael Bay quote, I love in Armageddon, and I this one's improvised, so no credit goes to Bay whatsoever. Uh Bruce Willis goes up to his team and says, U.S. government just asked us to save the world. Anybody want to say no? <laughs> that's, some, that's some hardcore shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bruce. Yeah. Goddamn. 
Armageddon's a fun movie. I will give him credit. That that movie's badass. That yeah. one is. I've always liked Armageddon. Yeah. Um, I will say Bay hasn't had a bad producing career. Uh, for those who don't know, he is the one of the three heads of Platinum Dunes. Uh, in case you're running, that sounds familiar. They were in charge of a lot of fucking 2000s horror remakes. Oh, yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday 13th. I, I mean, they did a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of Friday 13th, actually, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, actually. Both those are fun movies. Last said or not, I don't know if it's better. <laughs> um, and they have actually, he is the producer on the Quiet Place films because they are platinum doing productions. Yeah, but I, don't, I mean, that's just. That's just finance. I mean, there's. I don't think a lot of creativity goes into that. I think that's just, you know. I am so. I'm so glad it's just finance because I would not want that man doing wrong things to a good old Emily Blunt. Wasn't he? Wasn't he the guy who was going to make the Ninja Turtles aliens? Yes. Yeah. So, I don't think he's a very creative guy. No, it's, it's not explosions. He's, he doesn't know what to do. I remember he's that. Look at Bobby with his hands. He just doesn't. You remember that South Park episode where they were like in, in, interviewing directors to get their creative ideas on like a terrorist mission and Shyamalan kept like talking about the twists and Michael Bay yeah. just kept doing explosions and they're like, those are just special effects. Those aren't ideas. He's like, I don't understand the difference. And they're like, I know you don't. Get him out of here. Okay. <laughs> Like when they had Mel Gibson and he starts going on a rando, like, by God, he's crazy, but he's a genius. Say what you want about Mel Gibson, that son of a bitch, no story structure. Yeah. He's twist, he's tweaking his nipples. Uh, yeah. that was so great. You know what's sad? South Park's not wrong because, yeah, the guy knows how to direct a fucking film. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, there's something in deep seated racism and misogyny that just really brings out your creative eye in some cases in Mel Gibson's case yes yeah <laughs> I just hope you get the, the blowjob at the hot tub he wanted so bad from his wife <laughs> yeah. if he didn't he can call Al they can hang out together <laughs> throwback check out episode 3 <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's it's weird how some people just are immune to cancellation, and Michael Bay seems to be one of those guys. Like, despite his weird history with uh, with women, nobody's really calling him on it, so he gets to yeah. make it. <laughs> he keeps he keeps getting to make movies. I don't get it, and I really thought I've seen uh, Six Hundred. I was like, are we done? Are we like, is this done? Are we done with Michael Bay? Is he just going to be producing now? And I was like, then I saw the trailer first. I was like, oh no, he's still directing. We're still giving him a chance, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I'd, I'd love to know, like, whose nuts does he have in a vice in Hollywood? All of them. <laughs> he's like the Kevin Feige of like MCU plans. He just has various nuts and vices. So, like, when, you know, mine scene went down, he's like, ah, I got other ones. It's fine. I'll just get rid of these. He's got contingency plans. Just, <laughs> just, Constant, like somebody else goes down, he's not going down. It's yeah. like Voldemort and his Horcruxes. Like you can't kill this guy unless you kill everything. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just weird to me that some of these people just can't seem to to go down, despite when everybody else is going down for the same reasons. 
Yeah, some people just escape it. Um, with that, uh, unless you got anything else, I guess we'll go on to the development, which is almost squat on this film being made. Um, apparently, like it went along smooth like any Michael Bay production. <laughs> and I won't say smooth in quotation marks. Have you ever seen behind the scenes? The guy yells a lot. The stories are very true. I would hate to be on one of his fucking film sets. Um, so really the question becomes what exactly made this the lowest grossing film of his career? Which again, I know, 160 million, you're like, that's a lot. Michael Bay, that's like making 1 million on his movie. Like, it's chump change, apparently. Um, and both Bay and the company have kind of come to the same conclusion, which is they think it was poor marketing on the film. Yeah. Uh, Bay himself has publicly stated um, three issues that he found. One, an already crowded summer, which for those who remember how summer movie season used to be when it wasn't MCU, DC, well, okay, MCU dominated because DC doesn't know what the fuck they're doing anymore. And they have a new wrinkle in their fucking plan. Um, uh, but you know, before that, it was like literally just all the dumb, barely any storyline, just loud films came out during the summer, like one after the other. Um, so, and you would have like I do remember there'd be some where it was crowded. It was like at least one or two films a week. It seemed. Well, I remember that was back in the day when like you couldn't you know buy your seats ahead of time. You had to just kind of hope for the best at the theater and hope you didn't you know either not get a ticket or sit next to a fat guy. Like there yeah. was just, that was all that. I remember that was, you know, the middle of the Harry Potter craze where Goblet of Fire was the big one that year. Uh, you had Batman Begins, you had King Kong, like some big, big movies came out in 05, but also a lot of shit movies. I was looking through it like that might be the worst year of film that I've been alive. <laughs> just the amount of shit movies. Like, let me just read off a couple of 2005 releases for you. Uh, one sec. Let me get to my letterboxed here. Take your time. We're not on a, not on a podcast right now. Here we go. There we go. They'll wait. They, they know what we do. They'll wait. Will they? <laughs> All right. Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. The Amityville okay. Horror Remake. Bewitched. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Cursed. The Dukes of Hazard. Fantastic Four. Uh, the House of Wax remake, The Legend of Zorro, The Pacifier, Son of the Mask. Uh, I think that's I think that's good. But what the fuck, man? Two thousand five. What a year! <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> uh, meth. It's a hell of a truck, you know. I guess. I mean, in Hollywood, I, I think cocaine probably fueling a lot more of this. I would love to see what a production by a messed up producer and director would look like, though. I don't. I think that'd be terrifying. I'm sure, we've seen a few, and we just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's the first thing he blamed. Which, okay, I get. Like I said, as you name there, that's a lot of films. Like I said, this was really be. I would say before people became very very reliant on um. Ron Tomatoes and stuff. This is before you got your seats online in advance. So, like, you were, you know, theoretically, like, people were really, they were fighting for audience attention a lot more, I would say, than they are now, where 
you were on Rotten Tomatoes a lot more. There's yeah. advanced seating, you know, there's assigned seating, so you get to in advance. MCU films dominate. I mean, we were just talking about before we record, you know, getting our fucking Doctor Strange tickets when they went out Saturday so because I know that shit's going to get sold out if I wait too long. Well, it's- also back then, like, you didn't, like, the only way you knew if a movie was going to be bad is if you either saw it or if Roger Ebert told you it was bad. So you kind of just had to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. So I, I get, I, I can kind of get that first statement. Like, okay, if it was a really crowded summer and the time was a little bit different than we have it now, okay, I can see where you had some issue probably getting people's attention that way. Uh, the second issue was, he said, was the title, as it doesn't give the audience an idea of what the movie is about. Mm, I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, I feel like the island is more, it's a metaphorical idea of hope, of freedom that they're trying to get to if you're watching the movie i mean that makes sense but i guess i guess going into it maybe i don't i don't know i think that's murky yeah that one's murky um the third one i was i can see i can see what happened and the oh, third and final one he said the ad campaign wasn't the strongest as they sold it as a more intellectual sci-fi film as opposed to his usual brand of action film, which again in 2005 you could argue was like maybe peak like Michael Bay, right? Like when people were like they saw his name, went, Oh, this is gonna be a fun, dumb time at the box office, cool, and would go watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I love that anybody thought Michael Bay was producing an intellectual anything. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, the whole intellectual sci-fi film has to do later with my one of my um, award categories. So actually, I'll, I won't go too in depth. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had I had, I should have watched the trailer for this and I didn't because I'm like, well, what was the ad campaign then? Like, but I mean, yeah, even in 2005, like at this point, if you see his name on movie, you should know what you're getting into. I mean, he has given you Rock, Armageddon, Bad Boys One and Two. Like, you should have an idea of what you're going in for. Instead of like, is this going to be a more intellectual film from him? What? I remember the trailer for The Island. I, I remember that back in 2005, 2004, maybe. I remember seeing some movie, maybe it was King Kong, I don't know. And I saw the trailer for The Island and I thought, huh. And then I never thought about that movie again until last week. <laughs> so I guess it wasn't a very effective uh, trailer. Because I didn't want to see it, but I was like, all right. So you're saying that he might be right on the trailer about the trailer point. Maybe. I mean, I think, you know, but I, I've, I've been a film buff my whole life. I was paying attention in 2005 and this just slipped right past me. All right. I I don't remember the trailer all that much for this film. Um, this, this part was kind of funny. So get this. Check this out. So he took all those three things. I guess he made his mission to do a survey by himself so apparently michael bay pulled over 500 people maybe a week or two after the film got released and out of those 500 uh 450 of those he surveyed had zero idea the movie was even playing in theaters (laughs) i 
was this like a roadside poll or like an online poll? Like, what did he do? I don't know. There was no details. He just, he did a poll himself. I imagine him just walking up like the walk of fame and just attacking tourists with like, are you going to see my movie? I feel like more than half of the responses was fuck you. Pretty much. (laughs) But yeah, I remember he approached the women differently because as we know, Michael Pay views women much differently than he does men. Yeah, you asked the men, are you going to see my movie? And he told the women, you're going to see my movie. (laughs) Yeah, we don't, I, I don't like him. But um, that's a weird. Th- I love that he was so like, he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not making a bomb. I will not make a bomb. Like, I gotta fix this. He's like, he went so to such lengths to assure himself, like, this movie's gonna fail because of outside problems. It's not like I'm not the problem. He had to convince right. himself, I didn't make that's a shit movie. They fucked me. <laughs> that's what I think is so impressive. At no point in this, like, history reasons or his survey was it. Maybe I just made a bad film that no one wanted to see. It was they did this. It's a crowded summer. It the title was stupid. The ad campaign was bad. You know what? I'll I'll poll people. I'll fucking poll people. Prove my point even more. Oh, look at this. Out of the five hundred I did, only fifty near the film was out. Would you look at that? Did he produce this as well? I was not paying attention. Hmm. If he produced it or not. Here, let me let me find out real quick. Uh, yeah, he did. Which means he could have changed this title at any moment. <laughs> so, so that's on him. <laughs> that's funny. Ah, God damn it, Michael Bay. <laughs> Just really, really crushing over there. So goes out of his way to try to prove that, you know, it wasn't his fault when he was a producer and could have totally changed a bunch of stuff. That reminds me of that that uh, that meme with Eric Andre shooting Hannibal Burris and being like, "Why did that other person do that?" You know that meme? Like that's yeah. that's that's what he did. <laughs> he fired anyone that told him he was the director in charge. So, Mr. Bay, you're you know you're in charge of this. Get out of my office. <laughs> I'm just picturing him like looking in the mirror and being like. <clears throat> Producer Michael Bay telling director Michael Bay that he's fired. Naked. You're making a shit film, Bay. You got to work harder. God damn it. Your ass is out of here. If you don't just scream it at himself in the mirror. He's naked the whole time for some reason. Rock hard. Yeah, I can picture that. That's funny as hell. <laughs> God. All three inches rock hard. <laughs> what a what a maniac! <laughs> yeah, I I can truthfully say when I hear about him retiring or you know, at one point, some point passing, I I don't think I'll be all that um saddened like I am with some people I hear about. I'll be like, oh, okay, he's not making films anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I get it. He's he's like a like a flea that won't go. Uh, you can't get rid of. It's it's weird. Like you can try the shampoo. You can t- you know you can do whatever you want, but it's not going away. 
No. You can't get rid of him. As much as we'd like to. No, he's come back with a new one. You know, I thought he was done. But then again, you know, we're part of the problem because we keep seeing his movies. This is true. <laughs> we're in a very toxic relationship with Michael Bay. I feel like I'm in a toxic relationship with most of Hollywood. It's like I could I could end this relationship whatever I want, but then I'm gonna feel lonely. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, in regards to this film, um, many uh, when it came out, right? So, like I said earlier, one of the things that you complained about saying that was against it was they advertised as more into extra sci-fi film, as opposed to his, his usual stuff. Well, when it came out, as you just said, most critics were like, "It's just in their, in their words, loud and bombastic Bay film." as opposed to maybe taking advantage of its concept and being a slightly smarter sci-fi film. Uh, Bay trying harder to step outside the box. There's no precedent for that. I don't know why people expected that. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone's like having that sit down and like, okay, Bay, we really need to step outside the box. And he just looks at his wealth. The is off to the side of him because he always has to remind himself how wealthy he is. Or remind people how wealthy he is. I'm picturing a talk show like Letterman or something, and he's asking him about like, so intellectually, how would you, how did you approach this film any different than some of your past work? And Bay just goes, like he's silent for like 12 seconds, and then he just goes, like starts doing that, and everyone's just like doesn't quite know what to do, and he's like, I think that that answers your question. Get him out of here. <laughs> Does he do the talk show circuit? Does he do press tours? I don't I think I've ever seen him do any of that. I want to say he uh I don't know. Yeah, I can't I, recall I an interview know. I've ever seen with Michael Beck. Like he just collects the check and moves the fuck on. I mean, do you want to see an interview with Michael Bay? Do you want to hear this man talk about his filmmaking process? I kind of do. I kind of want to know what goes on in that weird head of his. Like, he does not think the way the rest of us do. And I want to kind of see how the wheels turn, you know? <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, anybody who's going to badmouth their own movie a week before it comes out is not thinking on the same wavelength as everybody else. No. God, again, like I said that one time with publicists, God, like his publicist was probably like his 10th or 20th one in his entire career because I, I doubt he can keep anyone working for him for a long time. Oh, dear God. You get this guy's coffee wrong one time, he's going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Uh, I'm sure as soon as he said that comment, his post was thinking, what the fuck? Like, why <laughs> would you say that a week before it comes out? I bet the producers are like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, we're already not anticipating a huge bump, but, you know, way to take that away from us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bay. It's not like Sonic 2's coming out that weekend. We could have used the fucking endorsement, buddy. And a wider release for everything, everywhere, all at once, which is getting way more traction than I think a lot of people expected. 
Yeah, is it? I, I got. I still cannot get a fucking time playing near me. It's pissing me off. I really want to see that. I've got a few. I might. I might. If I have extra time, I might go. Um, I do want to see it. I just. I don't know if I'll be able to see it in time for sneak preview this weekend. But I'll. I'll do what I can. Okay. We'll try. Um, the other thing they criticize, and this, if you have seen enough Bay films in your lifetime, I feel like most of us have, whether we want to or not. A lot of critics also came out of something that's not surprising in any film I've seen of him, of his, and that is the uh, less than stellar story. I'm kidding. He's not good at stories. Um, the excessive use of product placement. Oh, my God. As if he doesn't do it every goddamn movie. I, I have more on that for my awards, but, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, so... How many times am I going to see the Xbox logo in a Michael Bay movie? He really fucking has a good deal going with Xbox because Jesus Christ. Well, I love his argument. I was reading in the, in the trivia. He, he, he addressed this. He's like, what? They're not going to have products in 2019. Like it's laughable to think we're not going to be using products in the distant future. I'm like, that's not a good argument, Mike. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible argument. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Come on. I mean, take, for instance, is one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future Part 2. takes place in the distant future. It does have some product placement, but it's not lingering like it's trying to impress people, like impress the stockholders. Like, look, there's Texaco. Pay me. Like, Also, yeah, that's the difference that his lingers to make sure that he gets the money from the fucking, the sponsor money from it. Yeah. It's like you need five seconds or you're not getting the million dollars. I feel like he's like, all right, one, two, three, four, five. All right, pan out, pan out. Like he's making sure he gets the like the proper amount of coverage to get paid. It's, yeah, he's no. and it's just like dude. No, there's a difference between like there is yes, you can get away with having a phone where they have actual things like a pizza or something, and it's just a part of the fucking story, and you move on. Yeah, but how he does it, like how I think at one point even McGregor gets like a a, a Michelob, <laughs> and like he puts it down, and the camera fucking stays there for like five seconds. And I'm like. Okay, you can move away from it now. <laughs> At any point, you can get away from the fucking beer can. Um, or like in the Age of Extinction, Transformers Extinction, when they run into the Bud Light truck and literally the movie stops. So like Mark Rober can yell in Boston, Texas accent about fucking Bud Light and pops one open, drinks it real quick. I like, is it was literally stop the movie. We have to do the sponsor real quick. And then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Like, no, that's what we're talking about. But it's that it's it's ridiculous. You pause your fucking movie for it. I'm I'm actually looking forward to like count like running a mental counter and of all this shit for ambulance. You think he's gonna put the Xbox uh, One, whatever the new one's called, in it? Because he's done the Xbox. He's done the 360. Apparently. The Xbox Series 1, whatever the fuck the new one's called, I always forget because I'm a PlayStation guy. It's been in stock for like the past week, so apparently the shortage on that's gone away. So, you know, PlayStation, hurry the fuck up. Um, so yeah. you, think, you think he's going to put it in ambulance? We'll see the new Xbox pop up. I would... I, I put Vegas odds that somebody in that movie is going to be playing an Xbox. I guarantee you. Somebody. Or it's going to be... They're going to drive past a display in the store of Xboxes. Something is going to be in that movie. It's happened too many times to, di- to discount it. It's definitely going to happen. 
He is getting so much money from Microsoft alone with the Microsoft shit he promotes in all of his movies. It's ridiculous. He's basically making two and a half hour commercials. Yes. They occasionally pause to make sure that we talk about the Romeo and Juliet law in Texas. That is the weirdest shit he's ever done, and he has done some weird shit. That, to me, kind of told me, okay, this is the type of guy he is, apparently. Again, how you not get canceled when that, to me, kind of says like something about you as a director, as a person. The not be really going to be like, no, we don't need that. That is a ridiculous subplot. Like, get rid of that. I mean, literally just make the daughter 18. Nothing changes. In your robot movie, to have a scene that explicitly states like, oh, he can fuck a minor. It's totally cool. To go out of your way for that, like it raises way too many weird questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so weird. I don't know why it was needed. I don't know. I haven't seen The Last Night. Is there anything in that that's like similar where it's like, like, it's okay. That guy can fuck a dog. He's got documentation. (laughs) I don't, not actually with age, right? I do remember they were, he was playing with the old, like, old thing of like, you know, people bugging the super fucking attractive main lead chick that she needs to get married and find herself a man. They were playing that up heavily. Jesus Christ. It's weird. It's like a clan member from like the 1890s somehow like fell asleep in a cave and woke up in 1992. And is still making movies. Yeah, I just, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of it in fucking ambulance somehow. Um, beyond that, with the film though, uh, the only other thing I really got is that there was some legal issues. Uh, main one being um, from the creators of the 1979 film Parts, the Clonus Horror. Very weird title, but whatever. Um, they ultimately filed a copyright infringement suit. Um, Dreamers actually attempted to have it dismissed. Um, before I went to court, but a federal judge was like, nah, this is a pretty good enough case and had a, you know, to be, uh, went ahead and scheduled it to go trial in February 2007. But somehow, it being Hollywood, they would ultimately settle off court in late 2006 for an undisclosed seven-figure sum. Yeah, this shit rarely makes it to court. They mostly settle out of court to avoid a scandal, and the people who sue are just happy to get money most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Then you have ones like the Friday 13th fiasco. Yeah. The Clonus Horror, parts the Clonus Horror, which is, I think it's since the parts has been dropped for the most part. Most people just call it the Clonus Horror now. I I watched a Mystery Science Theater did an episode on that, and it's a terrible fucking movie. But it is the exact same plot as The Island. <laughs> so yeah, they had a case. I wouldn't be surprised if, honestly, he just watched that and went, I'm going to make a movie like this. I have yeah. something in the, my uh, my what's in the box is that exact sentiment. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Michael Bay, you fucking, you hack. Um, <laughs> unless you got anything else, I really don't have a lot on the production on this particular film. Somehow Michael Bay never has like the scandalous productions. I don't know fucking how. Um, I think he buries a lot of bodies, metaphorically. Probably. Uh, um, I think he has, he, kind of like Will Smith, he has a really good uh, PR team that hides a lot of shit. 
Um, well, if that's the case, then, and you get nothing else, we'll go ahead and move on to our awards. First up, we're seen, or as we like to call it, based off Connor's favorite director of all time, Zack Snyder. Ah, I feel like he just, you know, like, like my my blood pressure just spiked, and I'm going to turn into the Hulk. Look, I know how much you love his take on DC films. Ah, especially happy that they're now Oscar-winning films. They, <laughs> ah, no, no, they're not. <laughs> and I know you deep down want to see him come back and restore the Snyderverse. Oh, I'm going to tag you back for all this shit. <laughs> my worst scene in the movie is the inexplicable rocket bike sequence. Uh, all of a sudden they get on this like rocket bike and just know like Ewan McGregor knows how to drive it and they just start flying across LA and then fall off a building and survive it is so weird and unnecessary and just very Michael Bay just the yeah. moment of like rocket bike and then he woke up and scribbled some shit and was like we're gonna do a rocket bike now It's like a child just comes in with new idol on nap on a fucking napkin. Like this is what we're doing. It's scribbled on like a bib that like you would you would wear like a child would wear when they're eating like mac and cheese when they're five. But Michael Bay had one. It's like <laughs> rocket bikes. <laughs> I would love that. And then like even McGregor's like, yeah, but what's the motivation for this scene, Mike? And he just turns and goes, shut the fuck up. It's written in crayon. <laughs> Do what I say. I'm the director, you fucking monkey. It's probably something, you probably said something like that to him. My God. I, very, I feel like very few people have worked with him more than once. Like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, obviously. Shia LaBeouf oh. and Megan Fox. And Megan Fox, I mean, she gets to the point where she didn't even come back to the third movie. Like she fucking finally let it out that she hated him. Mark Wahlberg, but not a lot of people go back. To yeah, that. and even then, when they do come back, they usually don't come back for long. It's like maybe one movie. Yeah, it's like the memory. You know, the the memories wear off, and you're like, I could probably work with him again. And then you do it again, you're like, fuck that guy forever. Yeah, <laughs> not all right. I made a mistake once, but I'm doing it again. <laughs> yeah, I that makes sense to me. It's like when you realize why you don't go back to your ex. Um, yeah. Like, what was the sex even that good? Probably not. Probably not. You guys were broken up for a reason. Don't go back. And that is my relationship advice for this episode. Um, for me, I actually had like a shit ton of things ran down due to what I feel like is so many fucking scenes that never get fully explained or we ever go back to throughout this goddamn movie. But ultimately, I picked actually the very opening scene, the opening flashback, specifically the part where the mutants come out of fucking nowhere and take him into the water. And we are not, we never talk about that again at any point in the movie. Like, why is that the dream they use? Why are there mutants involved if we're clearly not in that kind of future? Like, what the fuck is going on? Why? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. it is weird. Why? Why is it hinted that it's like Scarlett Johansson and Ewan, Ewan McGregor if in like in real life they never knew each other? Like nothing about that opening scene and what it implies. 
absolutely makes any sense to the rest of the film that plays out. It's a good point. I, I, I had forgotten about that. Um, I guess it was supposed to be just like a fever dream of Ewan McGregor's memories of being in the in the weird like plastic bag. Uh, it's also never explained how the fuck he's able to grow fully conscious humans. This is like, true. John Bean's just like, I am God now. And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> it's weird. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out this film has a stellar cast. I was, I was not expecting that. Yeah. They just keep popping up to him like, oh, this person, this person, that? okay. I wanted more Michael Clark Duncan. The only black dude who, who gets grown. Everyone else is a white person. And of course, he's the one who dies. God damn it, Michael Bay. God. Oh, ridiculous. Um, yeah. Good, good, good shout. It's not a yeah. good start for the film. No. It literally, we'd never go back to it at any point in a meaningful way in the story. Um, <laughs> Next up, worst line, the uh, the Ed Wood. I have two. Uh, the first one's just one of the most blatantly misogynist lines I've ever heard in a movie, like post-1950. <laughs> I was like, this made it to the final draft and into the movie, and nobody said anything? It's from Steve Buscemi's character, McCord, and as he's giving them cash and his credit card he says to them there's one universal truth and that is you never give a woman your credit card and he snatches it from Scarlett Johansson and gives it to you and McGregor like what the fuck Mike you know, that is funny? what I had two lines also and that was one of them <laughs> it's just horrible it's I was like what the fuck really like no woman on set said hey Mike that's kind of fucked up <laughs> Like nobody said that. If he if they did, he shut them up. As we as we learn, he's quick to tell you to shut the fuck up. It's his movie. That's true. Um. Yeah, I had this. Don't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this line, I, like literally, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I'm writing the sound because yeah, it's like it's 2005. Why are we still getting lines like this? Like, because as I don't know, as I've got you know, and look, I mean, I'm. I'm from Texas. I've heard a lot of this stuff growing up from, you know, um, other male figures in my life. As I got older, I realized if you're saying this stuff still, you live in a, you are very bigoted. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You live in a weird bubble and you don't like to see women succeed. Yeah. Like, I know plenty of men, okay, that have terrible issues with credit cards just as women do. It's not a it's not a sex thing. It's a fucking human thing. Like some people are good with their credit cards. Some people suck. It's just it's such a weird, like weird way to aim your misogyny. Like we're going with credit card. Okay, I've expected a scene where like she tries to get behind the wheel of a car and somebody's like, oh no no we don't. Like men drive the car or some stupid shit like that. I mean, they are constantly like calling her property and getting like her. She does not have a decent arc like like Ewan McGregor does. I mean, we never get to meet her like client. I mean, her whole thing is that she like like they, 
they're virgins. Like that's her whole thing is like, they haven't had sex. There are versions that apparently fucking last a long time and have porno quality sex, or at least like they've been doing this for years. The moment they have sex, I was like, there's no, I was like, look, Michael Bay, let's be realistic here. They're virgins. He lasted a second. <laughs> and then they laid there going, so what do you think? It's, it's just, it's not, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not unique to this film. It's a pattern with him. And uh, it's just weird that he's, he's still, I think he's still doing, I'm going to, you know, I'll see you with ambulance, but I have a feeling he's still doing it. Uh, I'm surprised if he's still doing it. I, my other line is simply delivery. And it's when uh, Sean Bean and Ewan McGregor are about to have their climactic fight at the end. And he called, Sean Bean calls him like whatever his name was, South Delta or whatever. Was that her? Uh, Delta, it was like Delta two five something weird. But he yells out, "My name is Lincoln," and it's so terrible. <laughs> it's such bad delivery. And then he starts. They start fighting. I'm like, there was no, like, there was no power in that delivery. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. I could argue. I honestly, there was quite a bit, and I like you, McGregor, but there was quite a bit of times where I was like, "Not your best work here, buddy." <laughs> uh, yeah, good lines. Like I said, you, I had two also, but you kind of took one of mine with the, you know, this universal truth, which I, I mean, I, I you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard not to put that one down. Like, like you said, it's like. As soon as you hear it, you're like, wow, okay, so we're not out of the 1950s yet. Awesome. <laughs> what other what other like lines of them being second class do you want to put in this movie there, Bay, buddy? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but my other one is a quick throwaway line, and I just I don't know why I, I, I think it's because like the delivery and stuff was it was probably meant to be funny, but it wasn't. It's at the beginning, after it comes to uh Ewan McGregor's knowledge that he's missing a shoe and a character comes up and says hey how are you doing and he's immediately without hesitation goes i'm missing a shoe and it just moves on from there yeah you you would think with the amount of focus put on that 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 would have something to do with the plot and it never addressed again yeah it's like a focus he randomly says it no one talks about it they move on and then it, i was like if this was meant to be a joke mcgregor your delivery did not tell me that it was a joke like, yeah, this this felt like a paycheck gig for both of them. Uh, you know, I feel like most Michael Bay film. You're not doing a Michael Bay movie to express your creativity as an actor to expand your craft. Let's be honest here. <laughs> the check. Well, I've heard some early reviews. Apparently, like Joan Hall's crushing it in Ambulance. Well, some people can't help it. They they're great in paycheck gigs too. I think he's one of those guys. Yeah, you know, he may be smelly, but the man commits to his acting roles. I just wish he'd commit to showering. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> you can't commit to both with that guy. Um, now for the worst performance, the Steven Seagal. I got to give this to Scarlett Johansson, but I don't blame her. She did not have a lot to work with. Even no. gets dual roles. He gets to play... Scottish version of himself and American version of himself. He gets to 
have an arc. She gets to stand behind him and learn things after he learns things. Yes, they do. But I really hate in a lot of these early, early, like, 2000s films where they, the gore, when an action scene happens, he yells, watch out, and then spins action screaming her head off while the guy does all the action. And then Mason going, shut the fuck up. Like, stop screaming. Fuck. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not a great written character. I don't blame her. You know, she's a multi Oscar nominated actor. She has it in her. So I don't I don't blame her. I blame the terrible writing. But she does lose the movie for me. Yes, it's it's terrible writing mixed with uh, technically at the time very young Scarlett Johansson. I mean, you I, I would say what she was playing in her twenties. Like she didn't have too many films under her belt at the time this one came out. True, but she had just done Lost in Translation, which I've heard is like some of her best work. This is true, too. Yeah. So, but no, I get it. Uh, for me, I picked someone that for after seeing this, I remember thinking for years, man, they are not giving this actor enough credit. Like he keeps just popping up in little fucking roles and goes away. But now I'm losing sympathy. It's like either get a better agent or do whatever you need to, but stop doing these shitty fucking supporting characters, Mr. Jamon Honsu. I really hope I said that right. Yeah, I think you did. Wow, I didn't okay. expect that. Yes, and it has everything to the fact that I'm tired of him doing these shitty supporting roles when we know, like Scarlett Johansson, the guy can act. It's We all know. To his credit, he usually commits these roles, but I'm tired. Actually, I just feel bad for it. I was like, man, Hollywood's really doing this guy dirty. But is it Hollywood at this point? Like, this was 2005, and he was still doing these types of roles. And he is literally last thing I remember most recently I saw him in was probably the eighth Fast and Furious when he pops up as one of the fucking drug dealers or whatever. And I'm like, okay, is it Hollywood or is it you? Like, you need if it's you, you need to fire your fucking agent, dude, and get a new one that gets you some meaty fucking roles here. So that that's really where this comes from. Is that he's not terrible per se because I actually don't really think. Too many people do bad in this movie. I just am tired of seeing him in these types of roles, knowing what he's capable of bringing to the table. That's fair. That's fair. Because like Scarlett Johansson, he's a multi-Oscar-nominated actor who has great skill behind um, in front of the camera, yet he keeps doing these random action movies. Like Maybe, I don't know, it could be his agent. It could just be, you know, he, you know, he can't land a, a good, um, I don't know. Like you said, it's been decades. So I really don't, I don't get that either. Yeah. Because uh, even the MC, even when he was in, announced as being part of Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, okay, sweet. He's in the opening scene and then never seen again. Have you seen uh, Blood Diamond? No, that's the one I hear he's really, really good at. You really want to know like his strength as an actor. That's the movie to watch. That was his second uh, nomination. Him and Leo have great chemistry. It's an awesome, violent, fucked up movie, but really, really good. That's what I hear from a lot of people. It's not on my list. It's yeah. not on my radar actually for a while. Yeah, like I said, that it's not it's not a terrible performance in like regards to what you know prior episodes of the show. It's yeah. just that I'm tired of seeing him do these roles. And like I said, man. I felt bad for it. I thought, you know, especially now we saw like like the Me Too movement calling out Hollywood for, you know, not wanting to be diverse. So I thought, okay, Hollywood did him dirty. But it's been decades of him doing this role. It's kind of like Liam Neeson. It's like 
all right, it's not Hollywood doing you dirty and doing these action films only. You're choosing this at this point. Like, get the fuck out of your rut and just pick something, man. I don't think Liam's in a rut. I think he's just collecting checks. But uh, Hansu has really yet to get his, his time to shine. Like, Gladiator comes to mind. He was great in that. Oh, he was wonderful in Gladiator. So, like, he does have it. I think just, I don't know, maybe he's... Uh, I don't. Maybe he said some shit to Michael Bay. I mean, that could have happened. Maybe he said, "Like, dude, calm down" or something. I don't know. Maybe. I just hope. I just hope this doesn't age bad. And like, Mr. Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis, he comes out saying, "This is why I have been doing this." And we're just like, "Ah, shit." Well, we're yeah, not bad mouthing him as an actor. We're kind of just bad mouthing his choices. Yes. Because even in those movies, he's good. He's just. He's capable of so much more, and I'd love to see him as a leading man once or twice. Yeah, I love just yeah. I, I, hell, I I take supporting if he's actually in the whole goddamn movie and a significant portion of it for once. And so I've just yeah, here's a scene here and there, and then that's it. Looking at his recent uh, filmography, The King's Man, pretty minimal role. Um, a Quiet Place Two, he's briefly at the end of the movie. Shazam, he's just the wizard at the beginning. <laughs> like weird. Yeah, he's he's been like demoted to like the the background for just a little bit. It's weird. I wonder what happened. Yeah, and like I said he's he's good. Like he does come in in those in those roles. I'll give him credit. Yeah. God damn it! Give me something more. I know it's like the. Uh, it's like we're you know teaching a, a gifted, ta- like student class, and we're like, we know you can do it. <laughs> We know you've got it in you, so show us what you're capable of. Just give it to us. <laughs> ah, well, good, interesting pick. But yeah, definitely makes sense. Yeah, and also there's the whole fact that the the twist towards the end kind of to me came out of nowhere, so there was no lead up to him having doubts like at all. Like at no point in the film before that whole twist. Where they like planting seeds to be like, well, he's not really down with this. Like, whole time he is all in on getting these clones. And then all of a sudden, out of fucking left field, he's like, no, I have a mark from my times in a war torn city on my hand. And I saw her mark. So I'm going to help them. I was like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, you're just now realizing that the clones grown in secret are not in control of their own actions. Like, you're just now realizing that they, that this might not be on the up and up. Yeah. Suddenly you're not cool with this. Uh that's not great, so, right? Well, you have, yeah, and they have like suitcases that say beast, as in you're fully aware you're doing shady operations to keep a shady business contained. And somehow you're like, you guys are on the up and up. Yeah, hey, how, does, shit. how does Sean Bean initially address this when he hires <coughs> guy? He tells him, like, we've got like we've got missing property or something like that. Like he, he straight up doesn't say yeah. like, like anything about them being people. And Hansu's like, gotcha. I'll be back in two days. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's with it. It's like, all right. Yeah. It was, it was weird. It was cool. Like it was nice to see him be like, I'm on your side now after really trying very hard to kill both of you for quite some time. Yeah. In one point, Thinking he killed one of them. That's right. Yeah, he thought he killed uh, you and McGregor too, 
and was totally okay with that. But like, she, but I guess he what won't hurt a a, a fake woman, a real woman, or however you look at it. Is it Scarlett Johansson? Yep, that'll that'll do it. That'll do it. All right, next up, the Michael Bay Award, which is fitting. Michael Bay film, worst filmmaking decision. We got well, short of just hiring Michael Bay, I guess the worst decision I've got for this film is the sexually charged Xbox fight scene. They're about like when they're on or they're in the bunker and they're playing like uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson are like boxing. Oh, and they're like fake boxing. And there's a big ass Xbox logo. Apparently Xbox built their super secret underground clone prison video game. Yes. (laughs) And it was just so weird and unnecessary and you know just that uh product placement shit bay always does there's no need for that it has nothing to do with the movie it's ridiculous yeah yeah i actually almost had this scene ran down then i wrote something else so i was like this feels really out of place because we never go back to this (laughs) it's not like they fight ever anybody yeah they literally like i'm thinking okay so we're setting up when they're going to fight later and apparently I, I gave him too much credit because uh, they just run a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah, that was my worst decision. It ties into just Michael Bay and his product placement boner that he can't get rid of. Ever. Um, for me, and this really shouldn't, I don't know why I'm acting like I'm shocked, but completely disregard telling a gripping and poignant story on aging and our obsession with death. Which it kind of like it t- it like mentions it every so often. I'm like, see, there's a compelling sci-fi film, sci-fi action film there. Yeah. In favor of his usual over-edited action and very questionable depictions of women. Yeah, fair enough. <coughs> I mean, just watch Logan's Run in the '70s. There's your compelling sci-fi film. But yeah, I think there are. Moments like when Ewan McGregor asked Steve Buscemi, you know, what is God? Like, it's interesting growing up in a, in a world where you've been shut out of so much culture that basic things are just alien to you. Uh, and the film try, goes there a couple of times, but then, you know, explosions and car chases. Yeah, we have to do that first and foremost. But again, you know, I thought it was a decent balance and I, I wasn't bored. That's my ultimate thing. I wasn't bored. If a, mo- a movie doesn't bore me, it's going to get my attention. So. Fair enough. Um, now that we've talked about our, our, and our words, I guess we move on to the silver lining. The positive we can take away from this, which apparently for you is very easy because you were entertained. So what do you got? Uh, yeah, I could have just gone, you know, I liked it. That's my silver lining. But I wanted to spotlight one specific scene that sold me. And that's when Lincoln realizes what this place is. It's when he goes through the the pipes, ends up on the other side of this building and realizes that they're being grown. They're being killed. There is no island. He's got to get the fuck out of there. It's when Michael Clark Duncan is getting his liver taken out and he wakes up and runs down the hallway like, you promised you I could go to the island. What's this? Ah, and he's screaming. Like, oh shit, this took a dark turn. And uh, 
I thought that was done really well. I thought the, the setup was great. The buildup was great. The execution worked. And then it kind of just turned into a, into a chase movie. But I really appreciated that. I thought that was well done. Yeah, that's fair. Um, for me, it was a very simple fact that, uh, unlike a lot of his um, more recent films, that this is one mostly a coherent film, other than a few scenes I don't like to, you know, lead into anything. But it's mostly coherent, and my head didn't hurt. Like, like the legit headaches I've gotten from his two more recent efforts. So your your silver lining is that the island did not cause you physical pain. Yes, that's a low bar, but I'll take it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You did not care for this movie. No. <laughs> Because I could see what was there and like, ooh, this would be good. And yeah, I fucking dumbass me was like, oh, nope, it's going to be a typical Bay film. Okay, God damn it. There was something so much more underneath that. <sighs> well, can't win them all. And no, with this show, a good movie is rare. This is true. This is so true. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's move on because... Uh, keep having fucking power outages here um and get to our next segment of what's in the box what's in the fucking box before we do that i do just want to give a quick appreciation shout out to zoom uh we've we've had to restart a couple times due to some some stormy weather over there and i remember when we were doing this with Skype, it was such a fucking disaster. We had to, like, I couldn't, we couldn't take a bathroom break without the whole thing shutting down and being like, oh, you're clearly done and then ending everything. Jesus Christ, Skype. Ever since we got Zoom involved in this, it's been just pretty much streamlined. So thank you to that service for letting us do our show. Uh, what's in the box? The island currently sits at a 2.9 out of five stars on Letterboxd. It's not great, but far from bottom of the barrel, as we've seen in the past 13 episodes. Uh, Here are four funny reviews that I think you will appreciate. Number one, this is from Mario. Really liked the concept. The cast was great as well. This could have been a really fucking good movie if it weren't directed by Michael Bay. Three stars. (laughs) This was great, but then he stepped in and shit on it. <laughs> great concept. Let me let Michael Bay touch it. Yeah. This one had me rolling because I did not make this connection, and you just know that Michael Bay tried to use this as a way to justify so much crazy shit he said over his career. This is from Zach A.M. A guy named Lincoln frees a bunch of slaves. Three stars. I didn't even make that connection, but holy shit. (laughs) Bay wasn't that smart. I'm not a racist. See? Lincoln, (laughs) slaves. (laughs) Oh, God. This is from Colin the Dude. That feeling when you're given the keys to the kingdom to remake Logan's run and you just watched Minority Report but don't have the recipe for Spielberg's secret sauce. Two stars. (laughs) 
Yeah, I haven't seen Minority Report, but I that makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> and this is from Champton41. I truly enjoyed about 15 minutes of this movie. The first 45 are like a live-action Wally mixed with a Nazi eugenics program. <laughs> After Ewan and ScarJo escape, we see the 15 minutes of true potential this movie offers. This is thrown in the trash by Michael Bay jerking off to smash cuts for the next half hour. Followed by a scene where the story is moving forward. Psych, we're going on a car chase to end this piece of shit. 2.99, because that's what I paid to rent this shit box. One and a half stars. Wow. <laughs> very strong about that. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. That felt more your, your speed on this movie. Yes. <laughs> I that just... I can't get past the Lincoln free and the slaves. I can't get past that. That's good. I didn't even think about that. Too, so I was like, God damn it. That's what's in the box, I guess. Yes, that is. That's what's in the box. All right. <laughs> That's uh, for everyone is on next week's episode. Uh, let's knock out the social media fun stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and our filmgasm productions. You can shoot us a recommendation or email us anyway at over at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in any way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally, free you get on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. With that, next week we'll be discussing the 1991 black comedy horror film, Nothing But Trouble, um, a film I haven't really exactly heard the best things about, and it's actually our first uh, recommendation pick for the show. So we're doing it. First, first recommendation. Very nice. It's always nice to engage with fans who also hate these movies and want to hear us tear them down uh yes. this one is a long time coming I, I watched this film when i was like 13 14 years old because i loved chevy chase and dan Aykroyd and john candy and i'm like why wouldn't this be amazing and i watched it and i'm like this is fucking weird and it never left my head because it disturbed me so much so this is what happens when dan Aykroyd gets total control over a project <laughs> oh boy yeah so it'll be interesting to dig into these into this crazy ass film. I'm a little anxious about watching it again. It, it really it gave me nightmares. Like it's a fucking weird movie. Oh god, I have got to be mentally ready then. <laughs> uh on the film guys in front, we're not gonna get that weird. Uh we'll be talking about the Spielberg, Robert Williams, childhood favorite of I'd say most of us on the team, uh Hook on Oscar Sunday that we're talking about that. Fucking <coughs> So we're talking about the basketball documentary Hoop Trains. I'm trying to like beat the next possible. And finally, on Sneak Preview, we will be discussing the highly anticipated sequel to the video game adaptation hit Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I'm hearing really good things so far. Um, also, coincidentally, we'll be discussing the newest Michael Bay film, Ambulance. Oh boy, let's hope. Um, until then, if you're having weird dreams or being told the earth has been contaminated except for a single island, maybe make sure you're not a clone to be used to keep the rich living longer. See you all next week on Beyond the Bed.